Hello, and welcome to our Lighthouse podcast. We hope that this message brings inspiration and intent to your day. Thank you so much for having me, Wollongong. Um, I am, I'm, I approve. It's beautiful. It's stunning. And at this church, uh, we just had the first service there. It, I feel very much at home. It reminds me a lot like Eastgate. So I think we have the same culture and vibe, except there's way too many of you wearing shoes. Um, Paul told me, he was like, do we have to tell Nikki to wear shoes to the service? And I'm like, it's probably always a good idea to mention it uh, because I, I don't preach it in shoes in my, uh, in my own church. And where are the dogs running around? There's no dogs running around. <laughs> we, we definitely, whatever caricature you have of uh, pastors from Byron Bay, I probably fit it, just so you know. So uh, anyway, let's see, let's see if the technology works because if it is like home, it won't. All right, so let's, hey, oh, okay. So I'm feeling a, a little bit more nervous now because your technology is on point, okay? We have what we affectionately call technology demons in our church. Um, <laughs> I actually am kidding. You can relax. Okay, but this is my family, so these this is why I'm overwhelmed, apparently. <laughs> these are my three beautiful girls and hopefully raising up some more um, female leaders in the kingdom of God in Jesus' name. So this is uh, Eden, Dela, and, uh, and Tallow. They are seven, five, and three, and they are stunning, but we are glad we left them at home this morning. Okay, um, so so I'm jumping right in the middle of your series, I believe, called The Power of You. And uh, it's a, it's about you, but it's not about you, apparently. So I love that. So um, if you'll have me, I would love to speak into that this morning. And I want to speak from the, uh, from the angle of relationships, uh, if that's okay. And that's what Andy and Elise have um, asked of me this weekend. We're going to really talk about relationships at young adults tonight. If you're a young adult, come tonight, because uh, we're going to go a lot deeper into that. Um, But the power of you, all right? So the power of you in relationships. Um, Relationships, uh, are you you okay if I jump straight in? Do you want me to pray? I'll pray. Yeah, let's pray. Paul always reminds me, he's like on the front row and he always does this one. He's like, I get like hyperactive, carried away and forget to ask the Lord to be a part of this. So, uh, <laughs> Father, we thank you, Lord, that you are present, that you are with us. And Holy Spirit, we just invite you to uh, do what we couldn't possibly do and actually bring your word to life, make it alive and uh, pierce our hearts in a way that's transformative today, God, and in a way that uh, exalts and magnifies the Son of God, Jesus Christ, the reason that we live and breathe and sit in these seats this morning, and it's in his name that we pray as a church, and everybody said, Beautiful. Okay, so um, relationships are something that need to be built (laughs) or cultivated, all right? So they don't just magically happen overnight. So I thought what we'll do this morning, we'll go back to the very beginning of the Bible where relationships are first mentioned, if that's okay. And so this is where they are first mentioned. It's right in the beginning of our story, Genesis 1, you might remember. And God makes humanity in his image. And he says, you know, let us make mankind kind or humankind in our image and in our likeness uh, so that they may rule over the fish in the sea and the birds and etc 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 over the entire created order 
And so it says in verse 27, God created mankind in his own image. In the image of God, he created them. Male and female, he created them. All right, and so right at the beginning, God makes humanity in his image. And you're going to notice there, there is this intrinsic connection between Imago Dei, image of God, uh, and the use of power. Okay, as soon as he creates us, uh, the command to use that power that is bestowed upon humanity is going to come in the verse directly after. You can see it there in verse 28. He says, he blessed them and said, be fruitful and multiply and rule and reign over all creation. Okay, so ruling and reigning is the vocabulary of power. All right, and embedded in his decision to make us image bearer is the challenge to use this power he's given us to build relationships. Be fruitful and multiply is the vocabulary of relationships. Is that okay this morning? All right, so immediately we see this connection right from the start of our story between power and relationships, and it is embedded in the mission of humanity. Does anyone feel empowered this morning? You might notice there it's not a suggestion, it's a command, okay? It's not just for pastors and leaders. It's for humanity. It's for all of us made in the image of God. But what I really want us to notice this morning as we jump straight in is the context. He's giving us this mission is in a garden. All right. So he's giving Adam and Eve their calling in a garden. And he uses garden language, you'll notice, to describe that mission. He says, be fruitful and multiply. And spread out across the whole earth, cultivate, grow, grow outwards. Okay, you're picking that imagery up this morning. Okay, and so this is what we might call, now just stay with me, I have to give you a disclaimer, I will bring application, I promise. Okay, so just stay with me, indulge me in like a tiny little bit of teaching and then we'll jump in. Is that okay? Beautiful. Okay, just have a little bit more coffee, I've got some spare cups down there if you want. If you need it this morning, it's just on the front row. All right, but this is what we call the incomplete completion of the creation account. And what I mean by that is that God deliberately left creation incomplete, opulent, ideal, all right, full of potential, but incomplete on purpose because the goal, okay, was always for humanity to continue building the garden. There's always the goal, okay? And so in other words, Eden was never actually supposed to stay Eden, They were supposed to take this garden environment that God had commissioned them in and grow it outward across the earth, okay? And And so he'd given them the power to do that and the authority to do that. And so building God's kingdom uh, is always going to be through the vehicle of relationship. He's always going to build it through relationship. We can't get away from it. We can't get away from the garden imagery in the Bible. You'll notice it's inside the tabernacle. It's inside the temple. It's always symbolic of Eden. The promised land was like entering a second Eden. It's all over the place. Don't have time to cover it this morning. Um, But before we can really even imagine what this might look like, this stunning enterprise God's given us, uh, we're tempted by a certain tree, certain tree of knowledge, and you might remember that the serpent uh, convinces Adam and Eve um, that God's withholding power from them and they need more. 
<laughs> All right, and so they can so they can be just like God, which is ironic because they were made in his likeness. Okay, and so we call this the fall of humanity. All right, and and the the thing that is fractured and cursed, you might notice is relationships. All the way back at the beginning, the relationship between God and humanity is fractured and between Adam and Eve. Did you notice that? Okay, so instead of ruling and reigning uh, with one another over the earth, now they want to rule over one another, okay? So power struggle enters humanity for the first time. In Genesis 3, the curse is going to outline that. Conflict enters humanity. Blame enters humanity. Adam starts blaming Eve for the whole deal, okay? It's a little bit awkward. And shame enters humanity, okay? And so instead of building God's kingdom, which, by the way, doesn't just look like a church service, (laughs) building God's kingdom looks like building his kingdom in our families, in our marriages, okay, in our workplaces, in our communities. But instead of building God's kingdom, what Adam and Eve do and then humanity to follow, start building their own without God. It's never really a good idea. And so building God's kingdom is going to be expressed by building a garden. But interestingly, um, let's see if it, yep, it works. Praise the Lord. Um, Interestingly, the first thing that humanity tried to build uh, after the fall was not, in fact, a garden. It was a tower. Did you notice that? You ever thought about that? The first thing we build was not a garden that goes outwards. It's a tower that goes upwards, okay? And so our first attempt to build something is actually a counterfeit of the mission in Genesis 1.28. And so it's creatures yet again aspiring to be creator, all right? So they're build, what they're building here is a ziggurat, okay? So that is, a, uh, that is a, um, a common form of pagan worship in the Mesopotamian culture that surrounded them at the time, all right? So what they were was towers with a big old temple at the top where the pagans would try and manipulate uh, the gods for power, okay? So, this, so they're building a tower of power, essentially, is what they're doing here. And you'll notice they're building in the image of the surrounding culture. But we were always called to build in the image of God. Can you see the contrast there? Okay, and we can read it there if you like. It's on the screen. It says they're trying to make a name for themselves. We'll try to make a name for ourselves. Otherwise, we will be scattered over the face of the whole earth. And so instead of trying to lift up the name of Yahweh, they're trying to lift up the name of themselves. So the entire building enterprise is is ego-centered and humanistic, and it's motivated by self instead of others. All right, so it's just another, this is like the fall 2.0. It's another attempt to grasp at power. And so I want to ask us this morning where we really get into the message is how, how are we going about building the kingdom of God? in our families, in our workplaces, in our marriages, wherever he's situated us, with our little patch of earth we've been given, what is it that's driving us? What is it that's influencing us and motivating us? Uh, because, you know, some, sometimes when we can build in the image of the surrounding culture instead of building in the image of God, right? We can, when it comes to relationships, we can build in the image of The Bachelor on TV, <laughs> Where's Katie? Is she still here? She's gone. She'll be like, preach, okay? All right? We can watch The Bachelor and let that define what success looks like, okay, in relationships. And I don't know why. Like, like that guy needs a slap. All right? But, but we, 
Strike that from the recording. But, you know, we can be tempted to build in the image of Hollywood or social media or what's culturally trending rather than in the image of God, okay? But we were never meant to uh, build towers of power. We were meant to be fruitful and multiply. All right, so let's like juxtapose those two images uh, next to each other this morning. Um, But Babel is always going to be tempting for us. We're always going to be tempted by Babel or maybe just me, all right? I always say, I'll be your scapegoat. Because I'm a sinner, okay? So, so we're tempted by Babel because it goes up quickly, okay? So bricks, bricks at the time of Babel in this moment of Scripture, they were the latest building technology of the day. So we have to understand that, okay? Bricks were the apple of iPhone Apple of ancient civilization, okay? As I was saying that before, I'm like, I need, a, I, need a, I need to make sure they don't think I'm talking about a gardening apple, okay? But they were the fastest thing you could build with at the time, okay? And so we know that anything fast is instantly gratifying. Does anyone agree with that? That's why we invented microwaves, okay? Because we want it now, all right? We are the microwave generation. And so I've, I've noticed that we also want relationships that go up fast. Have you ever noticed that? We want, we want Instagram or instant relationships. We enjoy fast growth, all right? Um, we, we want all the speed and maybe all of the results. Just me? Just me? All right, but what I've come to realize is that it takes time to grow deep roots and deep foundations, all right? So speed is not always something particularly conducive to healthy relationships, Many of us will testify healthy marriages aren't built overnight, built overnight, healthy leadership, healthy parenting, um, <laughs> all right? But, but if, if, if speed is equated to success, like with the tower mindset, um, well, building a tower is going to seem just easier and more straightforward than, than cultivating a garden. Are you with me? Because so, a tower requires less patience, all right, because it goes up quickly and it's mechanical, it's mechanical. It's not organic like a garden. It's mechanical. And anything mechanical is easier to control, right? Okay, organic things are trickier to work with because they're not static. They're alive. Things that are living are just harder to work with. It's easier to work with machines. Anyone agree? All right, so it's, it's, it's the reason that McDonald's is easier um, than trying to make ferment your own kombucha. Has anyone tried to make kombucha before? I'm surprised because I was like, oh, that's the wrong analogy to use because we're not in Byron Bay anymore. But some of you have tried. Okay, you know exactly what I'm talking about. Things that are organic and alive are harder to work with. And that's why we can be drawn to build towers instead of gardens, okay? But we're called to build tower, um, to build gardens, okay? That was a bad thing to get wrong, wasn't it? Okay, we're called to foster community, not to control, Is that all right? We're called to have dominion, all right, and not to dominate one another. Okay, we're called to to serve together and not slave drive, okay? And and really, we are called to build with the power of love and not the love of power, which is what Babel was, okay? The power of love, amen? Okay, so, so, but, and I wonder uh, if perhaps this departure um, from the garden mindset is what might be fueling this uh, currently trending cancel culture, this cancel culture that we see um, not just online, in person too, but it's like this modern form of ostracism or, or um, exclusion 
we can see in the world, you know, where someone is thrust out of social circles or a professional circles because they've said or they've done something that is offensive or objectionable, some, maybe something we don't like. And so, so this generation has, has invented this phrase to say, you're cancelled. You're cancelled. You're cancelled. I'm going to cancel my support of you because I've been offended. All right? So the, and the mindset behind it is, is you failed me, so you're out of here. Right? I'm going to cancel this friendship. I'm going to cancel this relationship. I'm going to cancel this marriage. I'm going to cancel my fellowship in this church. And, and so in this generation uh, where our relationships can be characterized by image and speed and, and quantity, um, and if they fail in any way, it's over. I'm going to withdraw relationship because, because you failed me. I wonder if it's because we weren't meant to build towers, um, but we were meant to build gardens that have deep roots and they go slower and they might take a little bit longer and they might have to weather some seasons. And I wonder if maybe we might have some uh, deeper quality relationships that really last and stand the test of time. Is anyone with me today? Because the difference between between gardens and towers is that gardens are subject to uh, seasons in the way that towers are not, right? So with, with a tower mindset, a tower mindset is going to equate uh, barren seasons and fruitless seasons with failure, right? Uh, it's, it's something's not working because you're not being fruitful, okay? It's not bearing fruit, so the system must have failed, the structure has failed. But the garden mindset knows that barrenness uh, is just a season that every garden has to endure. It's a totally normal, totally normal part of life, totally normal part of the organic process. Seasons change and it's normal. And in the kingdom of God, which is what we are building together here today, it's actually a natural part of the organic process of living things. And, but see, it's in, our, it's in our nature to kind of want to control things a little bit. Is that just me? <laughs> Anyone have toddlers? Because you know exactly what I'm talking about. Anybody? Yeah, okay. We, we, we want to control relationships a little bit to make sure they go our way. But, but we have got to be surrendered to the seasons. All right, when it comes to building this garden and building the kingdom of God, we've got to embrace that maybe it's not going to be fruitful all the time. Fruitfulness will come not in every season, but in due season. We might not be successful 100% of the time. And maybe some of our relationships with our, with our parents, with our families, with our spouses, with our teams, our pastors, they might actually go through a barren season. But I want to encourage us today, fruitlessness doesn't actually equate to failure in the kingdom of God. It's, it's seasonal. It's seasonal. Okay? And, and a seasoned gardener knows that barren seasons will come. And pruning seasons will come. Right, we don't like pruning seasons <laughs> because we don't to lose stuff and we don't like to lose results and we don't like to lose fruitfulness. And we're like, where is it going? But pruning is necessary for growth in a gardening mindset. It's necessary. So sometimes God's going to strip us back a little bit. 
It's going to strip us back in our marriages, in our congregations, in our relationships. But it's actually for the health of that relationship. So we don't have to cancel relationships. <laughs> it might look like they're failing because they're fruitless. But actually, there's a pruning element involved. Is that okay this morning? Yay, we don't have to cancel relationships. We don't have to build relationships in the image of the surrounding culture that, that wants it to be successful all the time. We can actually hang on and endure some seasons. Is anyone with me this morning? Okay. You know, the best, I reckon the best gardeners are not the ones who are fruitful all the time, but the ones who are, uh, are ten, tenacious enough to tend the garden when it's not bearing fruit. What are they doing with the soil when it's not raining or when it's not healthy or when it's full of weeds, maybe of bitterness or pride or resentment? What, what do we as gardeners do with the soil uh, when that is happening? All right, so, so maybe we don't attach our identity to the success and the fruitfulness and the results, okay? Um, you know, uh, Paul, my husband, this may surprise you, um, but he's really, really into gardening himself. Um, he is. His favourite show is Gardening Australia, um, along with the cricket, both of which I find extremely boring. Um, but uh, I always say it's just lovely background noise to me, okay? It just becomes white noise after a little while. Um, and he has all, he's part of the Diggers Club, okay? So that's, <laughs> yeah, I know. If we, Father's Day or birthday, you get him a Bunnings voucher or you get him a, a gardening magazine and he's a happy, happy boy, okay? He's, he's happy, but he loves gardening, okay? But one thing that I've noticed which kind of makes me chuckle, is that over and over again, um, in the magazines and on Gardening Australia, they'll say, uh, they'll say gardening requires humility. Every, over and over again. And it, like, they love their, garden, their gar gardens, these guys. It's just hilarious. But even for the professionals, you know, the guys on Gardening Australia, why do they say that? Why do they say that gardening requires humility? And the reason for that is you can't force the results. Sometimes it just doesn't work. <laughs> There's one thing, we can't control anything that is alive and organic. Okay, so ministry leaders, take that one to the bank, okay, because we can't control people. And you know what? We were actually never qualified to. We were never qualified to. The results, and I wish I could tell myself this 12 years ago when I started youth ministry, um, because because. The results were never and are never in our control, right? A machine works that way. But this thing called church or this thing called the kingdom of God that you and I are a part of and, and called and commissioned to build, it's not mechanic, it's organic, all right? And there's a Byron Bay theme for you right there, okay? Paul, never, Paul the Apostle never described the church as a well-oiled machine, but he called it a living body with Christ as its head. So here's what I really want to say this morning. God never qualified us to create change, which means he never qualified us to create change in other people. All right, What he called us to do was foster a favorable environment for it. 
okay? He never asked us to control people, but he did ask us to cultivate loving relationships with people, and that is the power of you. That is the power of you, okay? Because our calling is to cultivate gardens that are characterized by selfless love, not towers that are monuments of selfish love. Is that okay? I'm going to ask the musicians to join me as I finish up this morning. But, you know, right at the beginning here, um, what does it look like if, if to build this garden, you know, if it's intrinsically connected to being an image bearer of God, which is our calling, we can overcomplicate the calling sometimes. It's actually just to bear the image of God, right? What does building in the image of God look like? What does it look like? And, you know, I am convinced that everything that was lost in Eden is rediscovered in Jesus Christ. This is why his feet hit the soil of the earth he created. Everything that was lost relationally from the curse in the Garden of Eden is regained in Christ Jesus. Colossians 1.15 is going to say that he is the image of God. He is the image of the invisible God. So Jesus is the ultimate Imago Day. He's going to show us what it's going to take, not to build a tower of power, but to build a garden. Amen. And so you might remember when humanity was exiled from the garden. Um, <laughs> this is an odd detail to remember, but remember that the cherubim had flaming swords. When they were exiled from the garden, they couldn't get back in because the cherubim had flaming swords. And uh, Isaiah 2 verse 4 is going to say something really interesting. I want to draw your attention to it this morning. Isaiah is going to speak of a day when swords are turned into plowshares. All right, swords in biblical imagery, they're an image of power. They're an image of power because with a sword, you can threaten, you can abuse, you can misuse, uh, you can dominate with a sword, all right, because it's threatening. But a plowshare is an agricultural tool. It's a gardening tool, right? In other words, this instrument of power, Isaiah predicts, will be turned into an instrument for gardening. And you might consider, as we look at the translation here, you might consider how a sword could possibly be turned into a plowshare. Uh, it needs to be hammered and hewn and beaten over and over and over again until it literally changes shape for a different purpose. Have you ever thought about that? And you know, Isaiah is looking to a day that we live in the reality of. He's looking to a day that we look back to 2,000 years ago where there was a seed and that seed grew in a garden and it eventually turned into a tree. And then that tree was stripped and, and hewn and hammered into the shape of a cross into a shape of a cross and it became this ugly instrument of Babel power and control and domination and it became a symbol of the ego of mankind and then they hung our Saviour upon it. In, 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 uh, in accordance with the Scriptures, Deuteronomy 21.23 says, Cursed is he who hangs on a tree. 
And then what they didn't consider though is you and I hung Jesus on the tree of death. What we didn't consider is that before there was ever um, a garden, before there was ever a serpent or an Adam or an Eve, there was actually a cross. Revelation is going to say that the Lamb was slain before the foundations of the earth. Amen. So Isaiah is looking forward to a time. Oh, he is looking forward to the triumphant and transforming power of the cross. It was the day he's looking to where the tree of death that has, by the way, plagued humanity and all our relationships is transformed into the tree of life, painfully hammered into the tree of life. And this is what has happened. This is why the gospel is good news, by the way. This is why it's good news is because that wooden sword of ugly Babel power that that has plagued all of humanity would be transformed into a gardening instrument that would plow the hearts of humanity and bring the healing power of the gospel of reconciliation. Is anybody grateful for the gospel this morning? And Jesus is gonna show us what it's gonna take to build a garden not with technology, not with Apple, not with bricks and mortar, not with cultural trends, not with Hollywood, not with cancel culture, not with Instagram. Can you believe it? Not with the love of power, but with the power of a love that lays his life down for his enemies. Are we going to be characterized by the gospel of Jesus Christ as a community today? This is building in the image of God. It is the gospel power of love. It doesn't really get more complicated than that. The way we build relationships, friends, must take cruciform. It must take cruciform. And it's supposed to be so entirely other that in John 17, Jesus would say, the world would know by this, by your love for one another, they will know. The way we build and dwell in community and relationship is supposed to be so countercultural not cancel culture, not I'm giving up on you. It's supposed to be so utterly countercultural that the world would look and go, what? That they would know. I've got just one more thing to say and then I promise you I'm finished. I'm not going to go on for another two hours, although that I would like to, but you know, this is the most socially interconnected generation we have ever seen in history, all right? It, and it's through technology, the latest technology of the day. Yet it is unquestionably, and we know this statistically now, so I'm not just like making this up. It is unquestionably bereft of true community and true intimacy and true love because you can't actually love people uh, through a screen, okay? And so that is, we are statistically, the most, the loneliest and most isolated generation yet to collectively breathe on the planet. And I just wonder if in, in this generation that we share, I wonder if we're facing one of the greatest open doors for the gospel we have yet seen. I wonder if this is going to be a time where we actually get to express the power of love in a generation who are building towers with screens, shallow relationships gauged by height instead of depth, outward appearance in 
instead of inner strength, building followers instead of friendships, building fame instead of fortitude, building relationships motivated by the love of power. I just wonder what would happen when they step onto the soil of our churches and experience the power of reconciling love, real love, not selfish love, because there is one community that meets the needs of human isolation and estrangement and sin. And it's not a football club, it's not a social network, it's not a hippie commune, Byron Bay, okay? It is the church of Jesus Christ. We are distinct from every community, not because we are really great, because Christ is the head of the church. Our leader is no mere human. And He has empowered you today with the tower-shattering gospel power of love. And that is the power of you. You do not need to be an influencer to have influence. You have the gospel. You have the gospel. And that is why garden beats concrete. Oh, now I am feeling at home because it's not working. And this is why technology doesn't work in this generation, okay? (laughs) This is why garden beats concrete. Have you ever seen um, a tree root? Well, you don't have to, I don't have to explain it to you now. It's up on the screen. Have you ever wondered how long that took for that tree root to fracture what was man-made? What looked so strong and invincible when they laid the road initially? You know, that tree root wouldn't have cracked through overnight. It would have taken some time. It's like watching paint dry probably. And, you know, it might be slower. It might require a little more patience and it might initially look a little less impressive and a little less powerful. But I tell you what, garden always wins. All right, children and parents, leaders and teams, married couples, employers and employees, the garden always wins in the end. At the end of the age, maybe not in the current season you're in if it feels a little bit barren, but I tell you what, at the end of the story, at the end of the age, garden always wins. If you look in the last chapter of the last book of your Bible, it's going to tell you about Eden restored. That's what it's going to say above this paragraph. And it's going to tell you about a tree in the middle of that garden. In the middle of the garden of Eden at the end of the age will be a tree of life and its its leaves will be healing for the nations. And I want to tell you that garden that garden with the tree of life in the middle. If you take every relationship, every community, every church, every marriage, and you make sure that that tree of life, that gospel cross of reconciliation stays in the centre of that garden, I promise you, people who partake of those leaves will experience the healing of the gospel of Jesus Christ. You are stunningly empowered this morning, church, with the reconciling power of the cross. Can somebody say amen? Amen. I truly am finished now, and I just want to say this. If you have never made a decision to give your life to Jesus Christ, well, all you got to do is grab a hold of that plowshare. You grab a hold of that plowshare because He went to the cross for you and for me and our sin. Our sin that has, that has uh, shattered every relationship that we might have. He has paid the price for every tree of death to become a tree of life. And you just grab a hold of that plowshare today and you never let go. Amen. Thank you for listening. 
please connect with us at adifferentlight.com.au or join us at one of our Sunday gatherings.